Exegesis. Welcome to Countdown to Exegesis, your listen-along Steely Dan podventure. I'm your host, Holly Piper, and my guest host for today's episode, and hopefully all following episodes, is Mr. Andrew Souter. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Holly. So, Countdown to Exegesis, for those who are just joining us for our second episode, is a song-by-song listening party mm-hmm. um, of, of the whole Steely Dan back catalogue. I am a committed Dan fan, and Andrew is... Yeah, a Dan sceptic. It's a Dan sceptic. Yeah, a Dan Gnostic. In that I want to believe, but, as you know, one episode in, and I'm still very much a doubting Tom. A doubting Andrew. Yeah. So today we continue our journey into Steely Dan's first album, uh, Can't Buy a Thrill, with song number two, which is Dirty Work. But first, Andrew, what are you drinking? Well, this evening I'm drinking a lovely chilled pint of Doombar, uh, which oh. is my ale of choice. I feel that in keeping with my choices so far this season, it's not especially Dan-friendly. I can't imagine Fagan or Becca supping on a Doombar. No, but... I have to say, I was quite harsh to you last week. You were, yeah. In your choices of drink, um, because I thought I was drinking something vaguely exotic. Mm. Um, I I, I wept silently for the sake of the podcast, because I didn't want you to have to edit out the the convulsive (laughs) crying. Yeah, I did wonder what that kind of... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that kind of low <laughs> mewling <laughs> yeah um well well what i was going to say is i'm actually drinking something even less than um oh, which wow. is marks and spencer's equivalent of like cheap lager okay yeah i was going to make so, a i was going to hazard a guess at a stella or something like that oh no i mean it's it's a quality lager because it's marks mm-hmm. and spencer cheap but it's um it's you know, one eighty a bottle, five percent. Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, one thing that you said last episode has been reverberating around my soul ever since, which is thank you. You said that I am the platonic ideal of a folk club, not a folk club of folk club. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Actually, that makes not, way not more the, sense. Not, uh, not the concrete place, but the the concept. Yeah, the vibe therein. Uh, yeah. And I thought, you know, so that that led me to think, well, maybe I should make myself a Bloody Mary or something to shake mm. up Ollie's perceptions of me. But I thought, no, mm. fuck Ollie, fuck Countdown to Exegesis, I'm going to have a Doombar. And here we are. Yeah, and be true to yourself, because what would yeah. this podcast be if we weren't true to ourselves? That is slightly better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One day, these questions will be answered in a splendid exegesis. So, uh, let's get straight into it, I guess. We um, we uh, we are doing dirty work this week, and mm. just to set the scene a little bit, we'll I'll hit you with some song facts. Dirty work, I don't want to get too far into the music here, but dirty work is not your typical Steely Dan tune. Mm. And as we described, as we went over last week... Steely Dan had come into this album as kind of Brill Building-esque song-for-sale composers. And I think that kind of, that colours this album a little bit. And and I found a, I, fo- I found someone actually who was doing something very similar to us. 
um, from a few years ago, which is a which is a website called Something Else Reviews. And this was one guy writing up reviews of every Steely Dan song, mm-hmm. song by song, album by album, um, just without the podcast format. So, um, is, is this person going to get like mentioned think, every episode? Well, if they've written something good, <laughs> <laughs> should we, should then, we try and start um, a beef with them? Uh, well, I, I think they've summed it up really well here. So, I, I, I'll okay, be starting okay. a beef on a false premise, really, but. Um, so this guy or gal, I think it's a guy, said um, because of this kind of because of Becker and Fagan having tried and failed to be songwriters for sale, um, some of the earliest some of the earlier Steely Dan tunes sound a little like they were written for a different act. Yeah, um, and Dirty Work is like that, and I, I think that's I think that's very true of this song. Um, this is a song that sounds like a single, but was not a single. Really? Except in the Netherlands. Um, this probably should have been the big hit off the record, but, you know, in classic Contrary Dan style, it wasn't released as a single in most territories. Um, and this is uh, this is a song which, uh, which Donald Fagan did not sing on the album. We have um, Proto Motley himself... David Palmer, mm-hmm. who we 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 haven't heard yet on the album, is that right? This is his. Yes, this is this is his debut. Yeah, I think because in my head he permeates this whole album, but I think he's actually only on two songs. Um, so Fagan didn't sing this one. As far as I know, he's never sang this one um, beyond presumably demo form. Okay, it's it's a song that uh, well, Steely Dan's biographer Brian Sweet, according to Wikipedia. Um, he suggests that Fagan didn't want to sing it uh, because they didn't want to include it on the album, but the executives at ABC demanded it. Right, basically, they smelt um, smelt a hit. Yeah, and then didn't release then it didn't, as a single. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, I can see that, and and I think this is probably one of the songs that they wrote later for the album, quite possibly as well. I can imagine, I can imagine ABC executives hearing this and thinking. Yeah, yeah, it's got it's it's got yeah, it's got groove, it's got groove. But where's where's the hit? Where's the hit? Where's the hit, Donny? Oh, it's like watching a a biopic of the early years of Steely Dad. So even after um even after this was recorded and they'd take it on tour, um initially uh, a backing vocalist, a male backing vo- vocalist would sing it and then when they stopped touring and then returned in the nineties, it was sang by um female backing vocalists with, right. with the gender role switch. So yeah. So um, I think uh, just to cut in, sorry, I think that, that is quite a uh, awkward move for track two of your debut album to to kind of pass over the song to somebody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know? So I feel like Fagan sitting there on the sidelines on his uh, on his organ um, is sending mixed messages to the audience. Yeah, but you get that you get that impression through the whole of early Steely Dan. Mm. Whenever David Palmer's on stage, and he sang a lot more. Um, he sang a lot more on stage, obviously, um, 
because he was he was basically a touring vocalist. Yeah, uh, and and I think I I think to a certain extent they just had to give him a presence on the album because mm. it would be weird for them to go out with a different singer. Yeah, um, I mean but I think it's quite telling that that Donald Fagan has never sang this song. Yeah, even after the fact. Mm. That's nice. I like the idea of a, a teenage you stumbling into a pew. That's quite a pleasing image. I mean, a similar, if we're trading awkward early performance anecdotes, um, I, uh, my friend Joe, who was a songwriter, he asked me to play guitar with him at an open mic. And so he was, he was singing and playing the guitar and I was kind of noodling away um and at one point in one of the songs he he was a very charismatic performer i think he was very inspired by jonathan richmond so it was that kind of like mm-hmm. nonchalant sort of uh, charm um at one, one point in the song he just turned to me and went guitar solo like that <laughs> and i paused and then went fuck off In front of this very, very quiet and respectful audience. It was awful. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I have no idea what I was trying to communicate because... <laughs> Literally anything... <laughs> would have been better than telling him to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, but you're... Like, you're... Even, even if I just... <laughs> Even if I did like a three-note solo, <laughs> it would have been an the thing, improvement. The thing is, when you're when you're in like performative mode, yeah, your brain is sometimes hyper aware, too aware that it has to make decisions quickly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I get this a lot on stage and trying to, and trying to just come up with shit to say. Mm. Yeah, I've seen you and perform. Were you there when I told every the whole crowd about how my cat licked my chest hair? No, but I did hear about that. So it did make yeah, an impression on on at least one audience member. Yeah, so it seems to have like entered like Birmingham um indie folklore a, a little bit, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um that's that's a classic example of that. Uh, yeah. A, 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 the perfect storm of like being a bit drunk but also being nervous. Yeah. Um just results in me saying the most awful shit on stage. Yeah. Um, can I tell? Can I tell? Can I tell one chat. more story? Okay, go on. Go on then. Go on. So I I did a gig once and said um, I played a song, finished, and went, "Oh, thank you ever so much," in a slightly stilted way, and then I said, "Oh, I sound like a Victorian nurse," right? And everyone laughed. It went for some reason. I must have just delivered it well. Everyone had a good old chuckle about this remark. So the next gig I did, uh, I, I got up behind the mic and literally before I'd played a single note, I sort of said, like, good evening, everyone. Oh, I sound like a Victorian nurse. <laughs> oh, God. Excuse me. To, to total indifference. <laughs> If 
final song fact. Mm. <clears throat> this was covered by... Can you guess which member of Fairport Convention? Richard Thompson? Don't guess. Um, Ian Matthews, the original <laughs> singer. I'm so glad you stopped me guessing there, because I only know about three members of Fairport Convention. Well, no, me too, but also um, or also, it would be a terrible podcast idea. Mm. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's let's not make that into a regular feature. Um, also, the Pointer Sisters. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I can sort of imagine it as a as a slick uh, late seventies disco hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's how they covered it, I don't know. Oh, they covered it in in a more of a kind of at last I am free. If you know your chic, I do know my chic. Um, so it was a little more like that than... Uh... Sorry, I said that very defensively. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do know my chic, Ollie. Thank you. Uh, we're going to move on to our discussion of the song, I believe, unless mm-hmm. Andrew has anything to add. Yeah, all I'd like to add is that, um, you know, I'm coming into this podcast blind or deaf in the sense that I am listening to these songs for the first time. So, so far I've heard Do It Again and I've heard Dirty Work. And the thing that struck me immediately about Dirty Work was that his voice, David Palmer's voice, is so much more acceptable to my ears Uh. than Fagan. I found the singing on Do It Again was like, we talked about this last time. So a big barrier for me was that I thought it sounded quite uh, like a studio concoction. Mm-hmm. It didn't sound like a live band vamping on some mm-hmm. nice chords. It sounded very, you know, um, artificial. But also, I just found Fagin's voice really unpleasant. And every other little snippet of, of Steely Dan I've heard, I thought, fucking hell, that guy is just so whiny and nasal, you know? Mm-hmm. He is, to me, what other people say about Dylan. Wow, okay. Yeah. Whereas David yeah. Palmer, lovely. Sounds a little bit like Todd Rundgren. <clears throat> and I don't sweet, know if this is going to make voice. it in. Yeah, I guess I guess there's a I guess there's a comparison. I I I don't know if this is going to make it into our first episode because we as at the time of speaking we haven't yet edited that. Mm. Um, and it was by all accounts a bit of a a bit merry yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so a little we'll lively, <laughs> a little lively. Mm. Um, so we'll see how that goes um, it, I, when it makes it in. But but what I was just going to say is. Mm. I, I really ripped on David Palmer at various points in that. You did. I called him a kind of proto Motley Crue or, or yeah. uh, you know, a, a kind of, um, yeah, hair on legs, you know. Yeah. But he... Uh, Trouser rock. Uh, well, I, but actually, like, I th- mostly I think I'm basing that on on live performances mm. because, because he... Because I've seen, I've been watching quite a lot of live Dan and 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 you know whatever footage there is of live early Dan, and he's much more strutty and peacocky mm-hmm. and fabulous, yeah, on stage than he is on certainly on this song, where I I listened to it and I thought bloody hell doesn't he actually sound lovely really nice yeah. just sweet um, sweet and honeyed so sorry Mr Palmer. I, I I did not mean any offence. Um, mm. You are you are a lovely man. You have lovely cheekbones. You look a little bit like Rod Hull. Mm-hmm. 
but you but you sing beautifully better than Rod Hull ever sang. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I see myself as a as a young debutante at her first ball and lined up in a circle around the church hall are uh, every Steely Dan song and they're all trying to win my hand. I'm just I'm just imagining like I'm just imagining infinite Donald Fagans with, with like a rose in the in the lapel. Yeah. <laughs> closing yeah, yeah. in on you. Mm. Eldritch abomination dream. Yeah. But also for some reason they're all approaching me in order. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like around the circle. Just one by one they'll come up to me and, and ask me to dance. <clears throat> And I don't want to be there. You know, I'm I'm frightened of adulthood. I'm frightened of my burgeoning sexuality. <laughs> but do it again was not as bad as I had anticipated. Dirty work. Uh, just a little spoiler for the discussion. Okay, 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 okay. Let me just put it this way, uh, listeners at home. Can we? Can we? I'm dancing. Oh. Cut to music. <laughs> Dirty, 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 a dirty joke, dirty weather, you dirty rat, a dirty sweatshirt, her boots were dirty. Should we talk about Dirty Work? Let's talk about Dirty Work, the um, the film starring Chris Farley and Norm Macdonald. I, I don't know how to respond to that because I have never seen any films. Okay, nor have I. This song, if I can just share a, pri- a little private conversation between myself and Andrew. Oh. Off mic. Uh-huh. Andrew indicated to me that this that he enjoyed this song and I said to him, I knew this would be your spoonful of sugar. <laughs> yeah. Because I know, because Andrew likes a good song. Mm-hmm. Don't and we all? This is, this is, this song is smooth as silky butter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's smooth as creme fraiche. I do worry that the, we've, we've already lost you, your role. Because, you know, the whole... The whole point of this podcast is that it's the it's the kind of tension between mm. like eager Dan lover yeah. and educator versus the kind of the kind of da- the Dan skeptic. Yeah. Um. I, I. I mean, I don't know if you can if you have any thoughts on that. Well, I suspect from what you said uh, so far this evening that this song is an outlier, b- both within the album and within the the Dan discog. So yes, I, I I much preferred this to do it again, and I think it's a really good song that I've listened to for pleasure several times this week. Wow! Yeah, but I don't think I'm going to get nine albums of dirty work. I think I'm going to get nine albums of fucking just sort of like a Mercedes Benz showroom of hand me down grooves. Yeah, but it, okay. Okay, you've just suggested, and I feel this is going to become a theme through the podcast, but mm-hmm. you've just suggested to me another Dan metaphor. Okay. Basically, um, you walk into the Mercedes showroom. Yeah. 
There's a there's a guy there. He looks he looks flash, but yeah. he looks he looks like he could be your friend. And you get up, and he doesn't even try and sell you the car. He just wants to talk to you about your day and like all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. And you get the sense that like there's something about him. He's he's not he's not here to just like you know it, he's got he's got something in his life. There's an edge. Mm. And then you walk away. Oh well, no, you drive away because you've bought the car. Mm-hmm. But you kind of you go. I could smell something. Yeah. All the time that I was talking to him, actually, I could smell something. You could smell you realize, his life. You well, it's his. It's the fact he's actually. He's had that suit on for for three weeks, mm. mm-hmm. and it's and it's covered in sweat and dust and semen mm-hmm. and cocktails, yeah, and all the rest of it. And so there's just... like a so it's like he's he's standing in an acrid fug of his own backstory. Yeah, his his own his own kind of his own. I don't know tragedy. what I mean by that. But it seemed very poetic just before it was, I said it, it. It was more or less spot on, as far oh, as great. I'm concerned. Great, fantastic, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, he's 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 a he's a well presented, absolute like broken mess of a man, mm. and he's just sold you a car. Happy Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sorry. In this analogy, are you the car salesman? No, because you're not you're not that presentable. Well, no, I know, no. Okay, okay, come on. I did a, I did one of you. <laughs> Hit me. You look like David Baddiel on an off night. Well, you're doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even need to bother. You just give. You've just handed me a witty, concise. Uh, you look like someone carved yourself. Michael Rosen out of lard. Yeah, again, very good. I mean, you just look. <laughs> You just look like David Mitchell. I, I look like David Mitchell mm-hmm. if he'd never had any success and just worked in York Dungeon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah, that's very good. You see, I don't think you need me to insult you. I think your your levels of self-loathing are sufficient. <clears throat> Damn! As we established badly last week, um, we have three categories in which we talk about the song. The first category is vibe, which Mm. I imagine has been a kind of one or two sentence encapsulation of what makes the song the song. Yeah. Um, Would you like to go first or shall I? Uh, I'd love to go first. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, I think that um, we are on the yacht. So... I've been learning this week as preparatory research for this pod a little bit about yacht rock, um, mm. which was very you know commercially successful subgenre in the early seventies. Although I think it's been applied as a label retrospectively. Oh yeah, it's, it's yeah. A, I don't think anybody said like, oh, we're a yacht rock quintet. Or it's, something. it's a kind of yeah. It's a retroactive categorization of of certain things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Doobie Brothers never said we are a yacht rock band. However, I feel that the vibe of this song, it's very sugary, it's very sweet, it's got an extremely hooky chorus. Uh, I think we're on the yacht, and the eagles are at the bar, and Steely Dan are treating us to a sort of melodic pop 
slice. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I wrote something in my notes, which was akin to, it's like Steely Dan wanted to show they could do soft rock. Mm. And then fuck off and never touch it again. Yeah. Well, can I say, can I say who vibe wise it? So I, I think the, the like aesthetic is Yacht Rock. But the but the person that it put me in mind of vibe wise is Elvis Costello. Really? Around the time of Get Happy. So this is a very specific uh reference, I guess. So Elvis Costello in nineteen eighty, I think, all the music that he's enjoying is really joyous. Right? So he's really into Motown, he's really into sixties soul. It's all very upbeat and joyous music. And that's what's like exciting him yeah but that music is is prone to sentimentality so mm-hmm. songs you know songs called things like my world is empty without you and, but with a yeah so it's that it's yeah. it's it's like yeah so the so the music is uh is extremely danceable and happy but the lyrics are prone to a kind of soap opera-ish sentimentality mm-hmm. both the highs and the lows that doesn't square with elvis costello's overall vibe so he takes all that joyous music but then has to pit it against kind of nasty slightly aggressive lyrics yeah and which is that dirty work are very much that yeah so i feel it's the same it's like steely dan they they, they're drawn to this like really immediately satisfying sugary sound but because as we established last episode they are snark merchants Mm -hmm. they couldn't just write a song called lovely work you know (laughs) it had to be flirty work yeah it had to be a song as we will establish you know uh about a slightly uh depraved scenario yeah yeah even when they had their best pop hat on they couldn't quite make it they couldn't do it exactly yeah and i think that is very similar to elvis costello it's like being drawn like you're drawn to the aesthetic of something that doesn't sit easily with your temperament shall i give my encapsulation of the vibe yeah go for it i've actually got it written down so let me read it verbatim the theme tune to a 70s sitcom that never existed possibly focusing on a group of garbage men (laughs) yeah like it i mean it's very witty but is it accurate? I think it, to, it. Well, just going back to it and really giving it a deep listen because mm. I, th- I think I've seen this. I've enjoyed this song, but it's been a bit of a. It's been a bit of a sort of dust bunny in my um in my in my kind of Dan spring clean, swept mm. it aside. But it, it just it has this lovely kind of melancholy, like you say. It it, it has a. It, I think you described it as like longing. Or in the same, in exactly the same way that the theme tune to Cheers or Taxi does. Mm. I've not heard um, either of those theme tunes. You don't know the Cheers theme tune. One, two, three, four, Happy Days. A five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Okay. So that is complete. Okay. Seventies sitcom. Yeah. So, um, Cheers goes making your way in the world today takes everything you got. All your worries sure could help a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like the Carpenters. Like to get away? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, oh, oh, and then, and then, like the taxi theme tune is like a fucking amazing piece of music, mm. but it's got exactly that same like, like slight jazz inflect. Well, it's much more jazz inflected than Dirty Work actually is. And we're talking mm-hmm. about a silly dance tune here, but 
it just it just has that lovely like mel- that sort of that unplaceably nostalgic like top line melody in mm. the same way that dirty work does and that's kind of what i'm getting at is yeah 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 with that um that organ sound whatever it is beautiful organ yeah can i just say something because i can't unthink it mm-hmm. is that um because we're talking about melancholy overtones to theme songs mm-hmm. and we mentioned the carpenters rainy days and mondays by the carpenters always makes me think of last of the summer wine it just has the same sort of aching <laughs> aching melancholy and i think i think it begins with an accordion or a melodeon or something as does last of the summer wine i just wanted to get I, that I out cannot, there i think the word to describe what we're looking for hmm. which is which sums up um sums up dirty work quite well i think apart from all the misogynistic overtones but musically speaking mm-hmm. is saudade oh hello which is a, a a brazilian portuguese and and you know brazilians if i get this wrong then i'm sorry but my but saudade is not, it's not really translatable directly into english but the concept it's most similar to is probably like nostalgia mm-hmm. um it's a kind of it's a nostalgic longing, but one which you take pleasure in. Yeah. In 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 the same way that something like in the same way the word melancholy can almost have kind of positive associations because it because it because it implies a kind of like lolling in it, submitting yeah. yourself to it. And saudade is like that that sweet sugary syrupy longing that you bathe in. Mm. Um. Yeah, as a kind of nostalgia, and and it and there's not really, yeah, there's not really anything to be. Doesn't really uh, dirty work and the other examples don't really don't really make <laughs> nostalgic about anything in particular. I'm being I, I'm I'm making some really really a plus points here, and you're just you're just chuckling away in the background. Sorry, it's just the it's just the <laughs> the yoking together of saudade. <laughs> And quite a, p- a pleasant song. I don't know. It just it just tickled me halfway through. Do you not you think saying. there's a there's just a there's a it is it is that it's a, it has it hits that point right between like like sad and hopeful, which very few things do. Yeah, musically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep kind of I keep kind of brushing the lyrics under the bed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so I, should we yeah. talk about the music? Is that let's talk can about? We the draw music. a line under vibe. Yeah, we've talked vibe. Music. Okay, let's talk music. So you said you have a lot to say on this before we started. So I'm just going to put the, give you the floor. Okay, tell me all. I think that the instrumentation of this track is like a '60s Stax band. You know, it's like. Guitar, bass, drums, organ, and then horns, which is basically like Otis Redding or Sam and Dave, something like that. But the vibe of it to me is closer to Van Morrison around the time of Moondance or the yeah, band, I mean, I was, the band around the time almost, of Stage Fright. It's like, a, but, but, but more, but more yachty. Yeah. So it's like, it's like in my head, you've got 60s soul has been filtered through uh van morrison and the band and these kind of like more rootsy acoustic interpreters of that music and now it's been 
reprocessed by Dan <laughs> into something more yachty. It's been it's been taken on a a, a little cruise round round the coast. Yeah, exactly. And has, and, and has come back unrecognizable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think that the the verse reminds me a lot of McCartney or of Ray Davies. It's like a very pretty winding melody. Mm-hmm. Now that you say that, I can totally see McCartney. Mm. Almost, and it's completely different accent, but almost in Palmer's voice as well. Yeah. So basically, the first minute and a half or whatever of this song, for me, was a, a fascinating journey from like, so first 10 seconds or whatever of the intro, it's like, okay, uh, this is a sort of soul record really beautifully really warm beautiful sound it sounds like a soul record then verse comes in and now it's like yeah british invasion pop you know (laughs) then so i'm like okay this is this is pushing all my buttons all my lovely buttons Mm. not my not my bad buttons uh Mm. then the chorus comes and now suddenly it's the eagles isn't it basically it's like st- lots of stacked vocals, big hook. Um, it, it, to me, it, it sounds like, yeah, like the Eagles. So even though it's a very coherent song with a very coherent vibe, it is also, it, it seems to be drawing on different musical strands. Yeah, I don't think it's Dan being true to themselves. I think it's fair to say... But maybe that's why it's so good. Well, yeah, well, you, you know, know? That, you, you would say that. Um <laughs> Times are hard. You're afraid to pay the fee, so, so you. I think that's not so, bad. Uh, no, no, it's just more smooth, isn't it? Times are hard. You're afraid to pay the fee, so you <laughs> and you do it to me. I, I just think. I, I, yeah, you're using a very distinct part of your register there, which... It's a very uncomfortable part. <laughs> I don't go there often. <laughs> which I don't think, I don't think David uses that part, you know. No, he does. It's like, it's, it's, it's the... Look, it's not a good impression, but... He's up here. It's like his voice Hi. is here. You know what I mean? And it's the same as like you're afraid to pay the fee. No, no, you're too you're, you're so you find no, you're, somebody. You're going Times are hard, times are hard. You know, you're all hit, you're all jowls. I'm cheekbones. Times are hard. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where McCartney sings like Hey Jude. You know? Don't be afraid. No, he's he's McCartney's all jowl. Don't be afraid. McCartney's like the droopy, the dog of the British invasion. Don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Take a sad song and make it better. It's not a good. It's not a good impression. I have to say, yeah. in listening to this song closely. Which I haven't done for for years because in my own Dan listening, I, I mostly kind of avoid this album to be honest. Although I do mm. think there's got a lot of good songs, but a lot of little musical things like surprised me. Mm. Actually, there's a lot about it I hadn't noticed in just kind of previously just letting it wash over me. I do I do think it's a I do think it's a brilliant brilliantly constructed 
pop song and and, yeah. and a really like excellent arrangement. Mm. There's something the the the, the it, I don't know what it is, but you, is it like a road? You've got like you've got like the main organ doing yeah. the main the main melody line, and then you've got this this kind of more attacky percussive organ. Yeah, in the background, it's just in these lovely little arpeggios, mm. um, and the horn arrangement is like the horn arrangement is yeah gorgeous. I think it's interesting to hear Dan do a horn arrangement that just beautifully supports the song without it being on a bed of like weird jazz chords. Right. Is that what I've got to look forward to? Yeah. And it's mm. beautiful. It's yeah. it's endlessly beautiful. But this is just just coming back to it like this, it's like, well that's a proper it's kind of it's kind of a Dan Light arrangement. It's a, it's a radio friendly prototype mm. of a of a Dan Horn arrangement, but in but in the way it supports the song but i think that i think the horns are better than they need to be like there's a subtlety to the arrangement which is better than is necessary for like four bars before the vocal comes in you say it does are you meaning that in a negative or a positive no a positive or a neutral okay as in it's the kind of thing that could just be sketched in it's like four bars of horns before the the vocal melody comes in you could just do any old shit but not snooky young and old toots magoots Whatever the sax player called. <laughs> the last solo we ever did. The yeah. old the old maestro. Toots me boots. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice. And uh the sax solo is also very nice. Because one of my big problems with Do It Again, you will recall, mm-hmm. was the just as I was getting into it, it was kind of interrupted by this fucking electric sitar solo and then this fucking organ solo that to me just felt like the most arrant kind of noodling you know mm-hmm. whereas this yeah. sax solo is really pretty and nice yeah but i mean almost kind of the sax solo is is one of the main reasons i called it a sitcom um theme tune mm. it's it's because it's 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 a it's a beautifully played solo but it's extremely sweet like, yeah. like it, like it takes marzipan. Put some sugar in my bowl. Yeah, I say to the, to Dan. It ices the marzipan, you know, which mm. is fine. It's it's a it's a tasty cake in and of itself. But mm. but yeah, it's um it's bordering on schmaltzy, isn't it? It is schmaltzy. Yeah, and it's. I good. think one of one of the things that's going to be interesting about this uh, pod venture or whatever you called it in the intro <laughs> is um our our own tastes are going to sort of uh, come out in dribs and drabs aren't they mm-hmm. you know so so for instance i have i think i do have a sweet tooth like mm. i really like burt Bacharach. i love Bacharach. Like, i'm not saying you don't i'm just saying that it's like yeah, i know the, that the, was weirdly defensive no carry on. <laughs> very very defensive well it was almost as defensive as me saying yes i do know my chic <laughs> get beyond the surface of dirty work and talk about the lyrics yeah um, was that a good segue i thought that was a cl- that was a classic segue you you kind of ruined it by asking if it was a good segue <laughs> should i should i start this segment by reading you the genius summary yeah but that might just kind of help frame it um okay generally speaking i can tell you for sure that it won't help frame it for this particular song <laughs> 
I would just <laughs> okay. I would just well, like to hear. Um, I would just like to hear your reaction to okay. Uh, to this, to to the genius song summary, and this had quite a few upvotes, so it's it's a well liked summation of the song. Okay, it is about a backdoor man and a mm-hmm. married woman who takes advantage of this poor guy. Oh, well, it's I was with I was with it until this poor guy, um, yeah. because <laughs> so that is so the first part of that description is factually accurate. This is a song about a guy who is having uh, affairs, relations with a rich woman. Uh, mm-hmm. And he his interpretation of this situation is that whenever she is horny and her husband is out of town, she will call him up and he goes and satisfies her. But essentially she is using him um, for his amazing cock. And... I think the problem with that is that it implies that the man has no sort of willpower in this situation. That she, she's like such an amazing seductress, such an incredible siren of a woman, that he has no choice but to go and be demeaned. Yeah, uh, and uh, and all of yeah. I mean, I mean, if you look at it through any kind of well, I, it doesn't even have to be modern goggles; just objective goggles. Yeah. It's like you. I keep going to this house and having sex with you, yeah. even though I feel kind of listless and used. Yeah, and it's all your fault for being <laughs> yeah. sexy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but there hovers over it, as I'm sure you will agree, Ollie, the, the the shadow of the unreliable narrator. So there is, you know, potentially. Uh, Steely Dan are creating a character who is saying these things and feeling these things. Oh, I mean, that for me is a given that this is a character. The thing that makes me think that it is like a a deliberate character piece is the chess line. Now, just just to get you up to speed with my life, um, I recently downloaded chess.com, the app. So I consider myself something of a chess wizard right it's 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 actually very important to me um and i i now know all about chess you know i know the way the pieces move i know what check is i'm basically (laughs) i'm basically deep throat or whatever the machine was called that beat beat the russian yeah so it's it's like you know i downloaded chess.com on i think on thursday i would happily go on mastermind tomorrow with my specialist subject being how to play chess <laughs> because i know all about it all about it yeah. okay so I, I trust you i trust you yeah. i don't have any reason to doubt you yeah 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 so in this song that we are discussing um he sings like the castle in its corner in a medieval game i foresee terrible trouble and i stay here just the same now what he's doing there is suggesting that the castle has no agency. So I'm so he's saying I am like the castle in its corner. I can tell that I'm fucked, but I can't move. I can't do anything, right? So that so the speaker of the song is identifying with the piece, not the player. Do you see what I mean? Okay. Yeah, sort of. So it's like if he, if he said if he compared himself to a chess player who's losing, at mm. least he's ascribing to himself some agency. But instead, he's suggesting that he has a piece on a board that's just being moved around and he's like been hemmed in in this corner. 
So he's basically saying, I have no control over these events. Yes. Right? So to me, that seems knowing because that's not how chess works. <laughs> but I, and, I, I, and as I discovered okay, on, on Wikipedia, Becker, big chess head. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, so he knows how chess works. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he knows how chess works, but he's presenting... He, he's writing a character who doesn't know how chess works. Ergo, it's an unreliable narrator. Okay, interesting. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving him too. Maybe I'm giving Walter Becker too much credit. I don't know how. What I what I was going to say instinctively then mm. was, I kind of think you're overthinking it. Mm-hmm. But that would basically undermine the whole premise of this podcast. Yeah, I'm just trying to find little entrance <laughs> points into this. <laughs> so I didn't say it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think... Have a think, think about it after we finish recording. I think Mr. Becker, God rest his soul, mm. I think he'd be de- delighted and amused by that reading. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he would rec- I, he would recognise a fellow chess player. I think yeah. what's more likely that he's uh, a somewhat intellectual, certainly sees himself as intellectual, mm-hmm. young, arty type, fresh out of college. Yeah. Hard one sneer. Yeah. He thinks he's been really like cultured and clever by putting chess references <laughs> in a song. Yeah. Um, so I guess my question so we agree, you and I both agree on different grounds, but we both assume that this is an unreliable narrator. It's a character song. So if that... by, I mean, maybe I'm taking your, your, dis- your description of unreliable narrator. Um, uh, in, uh, maybe I don't understand it. So like, way, so but... like, uh, you know, um, the the narrator appears to be saying one thing, but behind the scenes, the songwriter is exposing the the narrative voice as unreliable. So like, on the surface, this guy is a misogynistic, self pitying jerk. But we're not to we're not to take that as the voice of the songwriter. The songwriter is behind the scenes, going, "You see, this is how shit men can be." Okay. Um... I took unreliable narrator to be effectively like just a narrator who who you couldn't trust as the authoritative voice of the narrative. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I just said, it's, isn't it? But you're suggesting there's like that a character song is in, inherently unreliable? No, because so for so Randy Newman, who you mentioned earlier, is like the 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 boss man of unreliable narrator songs. <laughs> Because you you have to assume that Randy Newman has a view of the of the narrator which is unfavorable. Yes. So okay. so Yellow Man by Randy Newman is a litany of racist stereotypes against Chinese people. You have to assume the eye of Yellow Man, the person who's singing it, is not Randy Newman. Randy Newman is pointing at the person singing the song and saying, check out this dunce with his racist views. So in Which the same way... Is kind of, that's kind of how I feel in our, in our conversation right now. No, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll cut this out of you explaining the, the, <laughs> explaining the concept of unreliable narrator. But no, I, I get it. So, uh, so there's, a, there's a detachment between um, the writer's voice and his opinion, and the uh, and the narrator's voice, and and, and their opinion. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so again, I guess so. So I assume that Steely Dan are they are they are writing a lyric which is on the surface 
misogynistic tripe. But they're doing so in a way that they think is exposing it as misogynistic tripe. Again, again, I'm going to say I wouldn't give them that much credit. And I'm, mm. the, I'm the guy who's meant to be standing for the Dan, right? But, yeah. Um, I think for a number, a number of reasons. Chiefly that I think this is, this, this is a kind of song that they may have written for someone else. Yeah. I, I, and this is a very, this, this is kind of totally a personal interpretation, but I almost feel like it was written for a woman. And that is kind of backed up by um, the fact they ended up getting female backing singers to sing it. Now, if you switch, if you flip the gender dynamics mm-hmm. and the uh, and the realities of power imbalance between men and women, yeah, then suddenly the reading gets very different. Yeah, and it and it and it gets and it gets sinister in a kind of different way. Mm. It's 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 no longer kind of pathetic. It's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. So so I guess in the back of my head, like this is, this is a song which which the Dan might have written for a woman. And then they thought, well, we can't possibly sing this because and it's, then they were it like, well, David, so let's get let's get David Palmer to sing it because he looks like a bit like a bit of a wanker. Yeah, I, there's there's a lot of unanswered questions behind it, isn't there? Mm. Like in terms of like in terms of it's. It's a much more straightforward song in a lot of ways, musically and lyrically, than a lot of Dan stuff. Yeah, it's it la- it lacks a lot of the nuance lyrically of a lot of Dan stuff. It is just it is just kind of mean spirited, mm. um, and it and uh, and like we said as 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 the um as the blog that I that I didn't nick the idea from, but uh, has ended up being uncomfortably close. Uh, <laughs> something else reviews dot com. Uh, uh, said it, it feels like a song written for someone else. So it, 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 you know, and then and then Donald Fagan seemingly refuses to sing it. It's it's a very odd hot potato. Yeah, in, in the Dan world, and it, and at the same time, it's such a on the on the surface to a pop ear. It's a beautiful. It's a lovely song. Yeah, yeah. It's also a hot um, potato in my pants because we mentioned last time that that one of the through lines of this series is going to be that. At the end, when we finish discussing each album, I'm going to record a cover of one of, of my favourite song from the album. Yeah. Uh, and so far, I mean, we're only on track two, but if I had to choose between covering Do It Again or Dirty Work, I would definitely choose Dirty Work because it's a lovely, lovely song. But I, I'm not sure I want to sing these these horrible lyrics, you know. Uh, I, I, I would put good money... Um, I, look, I would say there are only two songs in. Yeah. You know, give the rest of your album a try. No, I would, I would put good money and a and and maybe a testicle on, on the fact that you are going to end up recording dirty work at the end of this. Okay. Or, or at least you're going to want to record dirty work because yeah. this is absolutely an Andrew Souter song. Well, the, I mean, that's very flattering. If you mean it's the kind of thing I would write, or do you just mean it's no, the kind of thing I would listen to? <laughs> No, I think, uh, well, you know, if I'm being generous, I think this is the closest to something you'd write as well. Mm-hmm. Was that not generous enough? <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't sure what the what the shade of meaning was. Um, no, I mean, uh, yeah, this is this is this is your wheel park as a as a creator and a consumer. There we go. That's that's nice and generous. Yeah. Um, Okay. Is wheel park a word? Wheel, <laughs> wheelhouse. 
ballpark wheelhouse. wheelhouse. That's yeah. <laughs> His ham-fisted exegesis in last month's Vanity Fair made me cringe. Okay, so I think it's time for us to give our verdicts on Dirty Work. And the format that we have is we say whether the song is either a royal slam, meaning a success, or a royal scam, meaning a load of old cobblers. Ollie. Mike, 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 Mike. Um, uh, as, I, as I've said before, it's going to be... I'm not going to rate many things uh, scams, mm. uh, but but this song... Taken on a taken taken on a pure like song enjoyment level, this is an absolute slam. Yeah. Even though it's not very Dan, even though the lyrics are like pathetic and misogynistic and all the rest, mm. um, as a as a piece of yachty songwriting, this is this is the it's 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 in the it's in the pantheon of the greats. How about you, Andrew? Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a it's pure slam. It's unadulterated slam. Uh, I've listened to it for pleasure, which I I really did not foresee. Like a castle in its mm. corner, etc., etc. I did not foresee that I would listen to this song for pleasure, uh, but I did several times. Uh, I think it's really good, um, and it yeah, it's just unfortunate that the lyrics are sort of incel <laughs> claptrap. <laughs> um, and slightly clumsy incel claptrap as well. Like the lyrics aren't that good. Um, but yeah, they're not great. Yeah, but it's just one of those sad things about music, isn't it? That sometimes you have to filter out terrible lyrics. Well, you know, and I, I think if you, I, I, I think if you're not really paying attention to the lyrics, mm. um, it, it, I can imagine this being, uh, being a real sort of lighter waiver, or, or a real kind of, you know, if, if Steel Dan had gone and done the stadium, what's a thing, lighter waiver? Oh, a lighter, like, as in something you wave your lighter to. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Or, or, or I can imagine someone in their car playing this on the eight track, mm-hmm. um, and, and 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 just quietly sobbing to themselves, <laughs> um, and then crashing because, into a. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're they're parked. Um, and quietly sobbing to themselves because of a vague sense that it's. That it's about being hard done by or feeling hard done by in a relationship, yeah. Um, but not really, not really. If you know, if you if you only if you only skim listen, yeah. But that is what that is what most people, including myself, do most of the time. Yeah, and and me, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and and I and I was kind of. This is this is the first time I've sat down and gone. Okay, what are these lyrics? Mm. Um. And as soon as you join line one to two to three to four, you go, oh, yeah, this is about a total pathetic <laughs> incel twat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah, great song. Very good. Um, the, 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 the problem is, though, that um, I don't think this is representative. And I think I'm going to be bitterly disappointed by uh, the rest of this album. That's just my, that's just my slightly pessimistic uh, forecast. I think we've had two of the best songs. Without a doubt, that's what I'm saying. Um, so, th- so that's that's a bad omen, isn't it? I would say, but in in my memory, um, there is only one song on this album that I consider outright bad. Um, but then again, 
you know, if if you if you dis if you dislike Donald Fagan's voice, then mm. the next six years are going to be a real slog for you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, I'm sure there will be a point at which it just becomes like a, a, a fact. You know what I mean? Like it stops being mm. something that I'm I'm resisting, and it's just like okay. I've got to listen to a Steely Dan song this week and that sort of slightly nasal man is going to be singing over it. Thank you for listening to Countdown to Exegesis, your listen-along Steely Dan podventure. If you'd like to follow us on the old sock meds, you can do so on Instagram and Facebook at Countdown to Exegesis or on Twitter at ExegesisPod. And uh, just to be frank and candid, it's me, Andrew, who is uh, captaining the social media accounts. I'm the one churning out Steely Dan memes without fully understanding what the joke is. Great. And we should also mention that we have a old-fashioned email account at countdowntoexegesis at gmail.com in case anyone wants to get in touch with any longer form queries or suggestions and we can also be followed individually myself via my band the nature center which is the nature center on everywhere except instagram which is the nature center band and that's the nature center spelt in the commonwealth fashion how about you andrew you can follow me on one of two avenues uh, one is my band Obman's box which is spelled o-d-m-a-n-s-b-o-x or you can follow me in my solo guise as william william rogers uh, that's Rogers with a D, so R O D G E R S. And that's on all the usual sock meds. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, uh, give us a review, thumbs up, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps. Cheers!